Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is from Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Be made new in the attitude of your minds, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Dear friends of Christ, we've all heard about the 12 steps. Alcoholics Anonymous created that back in the 1930s, and it was a way to deal with addiction. And, uh, of course, it was an effective way. Um, we've we've kind of gotten away from that in our, in our treatment centers um, because people don't have a higher power anymore. And, of course, Alcoholics Anonymous always uh, encouraged people to go to that higher power. And for Christians, of course, that's, that's God. And there is a power there and, and a strength that helps us deal with addiction. Well, again, uh, as we deal with addiction... Uh, Scripture tells us we have a problem, we're addicted to sin. And so we need help to deal with this sin addiction that we have in our hearts. I told the kids, you know, we're addicted to anger. And, uh, you know, some people come up to me and they say, Pastor Caldwell, I've got a terrible temper. How do I deal with that? Uh, dealing with sin. Now, I know this is an oversimplification. Um, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous has 12 steps to deal with addiction. Uh, God gives us four steps in our text four steps, and it's an oversimplification of salvation, but I want to consider those four steps to salvation this morning. In our text from Ephesians chapter 4, uh, the four steps are, are clearly laid out, and the first step is recognizing the problem, that, that you have anger in your heart, that you have sin in your heart, that, that your ways are darkened in your understanding. Sin is an addiction. And addiction to sin is a condition uh, that you were born with. Matter of fact, the Bible says you were conceived in sin, with this sin condition. And, and again, uh, we're born addicted. We come into this world loving sin. We come into this world wanting more. And we talk about little babies. And we say, oh, look how innocent that little baby is. But that baby, when he's hungry, feed me, feed me now, right? I mean, the sin nature is pretty clear right off of the bat. And, and their first word is, mine, mine, right? So this sin nature, no, no, mine. And that, that sin nature comes out as soon as it can express itself because we were conceived with it, we're born with it, it's who we are. So the problem in our lives is not, the, is not sex, the problem is not drugs, the problem is not alcohol. And you say, well, it sure is. No, it's what we do with those things, right? It's how we abuse those things. The problem is, of course, St. Paul says uh, God makes everything good. And the problem is we take everything that God has created good and we corrupt it. We make it harmful to ourselves. Our sin addiction affects us all, and it doesn't matter how you were raised or what kind of home you were raised in, whether you were raised in a good home or a home where there was a lot of anger and a lot of division and a lot of brokenness, whether you were raised in a good environment or in a bad environment, it doesn't matter if you had an easy life, a painful one, or a difficult one. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in the same frying pan. We all have the same problem. I'm not any better than you, and you're not any worse than I am. In fact, the Bible says, Behold, I was born in iniquity, and, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So we've, been, we've had this problem 
our whole existence. Now, we sin uniquely. Sin plays itself out in my life differently than sin plays itself out in your life. Oh, you have your pet sins. The sins that you do and you have to repent about every night. You go to God and you say, Dear Lord, you know what I did today? My tongue, my tongue, my tongue. My anger, my jealousy, my pride. And you... It's the same sin over and over because you have your pet sins, those favorite sins that we have, that we do. What is the sin addiction of your choice? As you think about that, is it lust? Is it greed? Selfishness? Pride? Anger? Jealousy? Envy? Is it doubt? What is it you struggle with the most? Some forms of sin addiction aren't considered very sinful. Oh, they're sinful, but we don't, as a society, consider them to be all that bad. For example, you're a workaholic, and so all you do is you work, and you don't deal with people very well. You don't love people. Where It's all about getting the job done, and it doesn't matter who you hurt. Um, it's socially acceptable because you're successful, but at what cost? Another one is perfection. For those of you who are perfectionists, and then you expect everybody around you to be perfect, and when they're not, then you get angry with them, you get short with them, and you can't deal with them because they're not perfect or things in your life aren't perfect. And so while it might seem good to be a perfectionist, and it certainly is socially acceptable, it's still sin. And then there are those sins, well, that aren't socially acceptable, you know, uh, drinking, Alcohol, drugs, uh, pornography, adultery, those type of things. St. Paul describes this condition that we all have, that this sin condition that we're all addicted to. He describes our condition, he calls it living as the Gentiles do. That we live as a Gentile. Now, Gentile is an unbeliever. Okay, so it's you Christians... You're now living as the Gentiles do. You're living the way the unbelieving world lives. And that pretty much describes Christianity today, doesn't it? Because it's very difficult looking at a Christian and saying, you know what, that lifestyle is different than that one. Because it's a big melting pot of living like the Gentiles do. You can't recognize one Christian from another. And, And the old self talks about the old self. Don't live as the Gentiles do. And then this old self, this old self is, is, uh, is our soul. It's this, it's this addiction we have to sin. That I was created in sin, I was created loving sin, and I enjoy doing sin. And we say, oh, not me. I am not, I am not going to do it. Yes, yeah, we all do. We live in futility. The futility of our sin nature. And it is so frustrating. Living like an unbeliever. Living in the old self. Paul says the Gentiles live in the futility of their thinking. Unbelievers live in futility. They sin and they don't even acknowledge sin. They're addicted to sin and they don't even acknowledge their addiction. And there's no purpose in life. There's no purpose in living. 
They live for themselves, and they live for themselves alone, because who else are you going to live for? You're not living for God. And so they live to please themselves. They do things that makes them the happiest. They indulge in sin and all the more, even if what they're doing hurts the people around them. And then they sin more and more and more. They have no moral compass. And they live in denial of all that. Isn't that what a true addict does? A true addict lives in denial? You talk to a drug addict or an, an alcoholic, and at the beginning, oh no, I don't have a problem. There's nothing wrong with me. Problem is you. You're the problem. Most addicts deny their addiction, and they wander aimlessly through life, continuing to feed their next fix or whatever they're addicted to. They don't even get it. They don't even see the problem in themselves. And that's why Paul continues to say they are darkened in their understanding. Addicts are darkened in their understanding. If you are a drug addict, drug addicts are darkened. Alcoholics darkened. They can't think clearly. They can't think straight. They have a disease. It's called alcoholism. A dark veil covers their mind. Addicts believe they're always right. Addicts are selfish. Addicts are belligerent. And they don't see a problem in themselves. Although they'll see the same problem in somebody else. That person drinks too much. That person is an alcoholic. But they won't see it in themselves. What's true physically is true spiritually. We become addicted to sin and we don't see it in ourselves. Oh, you can see it in your neighbor. Your neighbor has all kinds of sinful problems. Your wife, your husband, all kinds of sinful problems. Your children, sinful, sinful. But you? And we live in denial. What causes this darkness? Scripture says sin, addiction, darkens our understanding. Sin, addiction, darkens our understanding. It clouds the process. The way of the wicked, the Bible says, is like darkness, for they do not know what they are stumbling over. What causes this darkened knowledge? Well, like I said before, we're born with it, right? It's sin. It's this sin nature that lives in us. We're conceived in sin. Paul says, and this sin has alienated us, separated us from God. And there's the problem. So we have this sin nature that separates us from God. We have to deal with all that. And that's why, as in our sin nature, we question God. We question His Word. We question God's ways. We question God's truth. We question God's existence. We question His leaders. We question His love. What kind of God would send His beloved Son into the world and then put Him on a cross? That's a tyrant. Shows his heartless nature. And sinners hate God. 
because we're in rebellion with his will. Alienation, being cut off from the life of God, causes us to lose sensitivity, causes us to lose feeling. We become calloused, our text says. Paul says that we develop calluses, spiritual calluses. You know, when you get a callus, it causes you to lose feeling. Calluses on your feet numbs the feeling. Well, unbelievers have calluses. They can no longer feel sin. They no longer feel that anger hurts them. They can't even tell their sin has alienated them from God because they don't feel their sin. The result of a sinner's alienation, we plunge ourselves into more anger. We plunge ourselves into more pleasure. We plunge ourselves into more sin and more rebellion. One translation puts it this way. They, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality, to pleasure, to fill that empty void inside, whatever can make them feel good. And they practice every kind of sexual perversion with a constant desire for more. And I want more. Because of our sin nature, we're constantly searching for something to fill up this empty void of this sin nature. And we fill it with pleasures and we fill it with all kinds of things that are our gods. And, and we think these gods that we worship, if I, if I just have these things, I'll be happy. And we keep filling it and it's an empty, it's an empty and, we, and we never fill it up. We're always unsatisfied. We fill it up with everything except Jesus. There's a huge hole in our souls, an empty hole, a godless vacuum. And we try to fill it with sex, we try to fill it with drugs, we try to fill it with alcohol, we try to fill it with food, we try to fill it with music, we try to fill it with recreation, we try to fill it with family, we try to fill it with friends, we try to fill it by buying things. Now, again, those things aren't evil in and of themselves, are they? But it's how we abuse them. It's how we turn them into God and think they're going to bring us pleasure and think they're going to fill that emptiness in our soul. It just feeds the problem of sin with a continual desire for more. It's how we abuse them. And that's what sinners do. So the first step to salvation is to recognize our condition. Recognize the sin problem. Steps two through four mentioned in our text here are all about Jesus. Now, they sound like things that we're supposed to do, but it's all about Jesus. Because salvation, you could, you could summarize those steps with one word, salvation, because that, that, that tells us what Jesus, Jesus saves us from ourselves, right? He's the one who comes. He's the only problem for sin. Our sin nature has to be replaced by Christ. Our sin nature has to be replaced by His blood. Our sin nature has to be replaced by His holiness, forgiveness, by His will. Christ is the answer. And Paul wrote about this. He said, We have been buried with Jesus through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the, knowledge, uh, from the dead 
to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So baptism gives us that new life. It washes us, washes all that sin nature away. Oh, you still have it, but, you're, but from God's perspective, your sin's been washed away. You've been made brand new. Baptism gives you a new birth each and every day. From our mother's womb, we were conceived in sin. We were born into sin, addicted to sin, addicted with the love, addicted to anger, addicted to selfishness, addicted to pride. But the waters of holy baptism gives us a rebirth, a renewal, a regeneration. Our text says it this way, put off your old self. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. Three steps. Put off your old self with its addictions. Be renewed in your attitude and put on the new self. And you say, well, those are all things I'm supposed to do. These steps sound that way. And that's why people get so confused about Christianity. They think Christianity is a bunch of things of a, that teach us how to please God. And so it's a bunch of rules, and we can learn how to please God and how to satisfy God. And so people make a, a commitment. They decide, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to lay aside my sin nature. I'm going to conquer this thing. Good luck with that. So they decide to get rid of their booze. They choose to get rid of their uh, the things in their life that they're addicted to, their drugs or their porn, whatever they're addicted to. And they make a commitment to live for Jesus. Maybe you've done the same thing. You're going to be a better Christian. You're going to do better. I'm going to have a new attitude. I'm going to look at life differently. And they decide to make their lives holy for Jesus. I'm going to make my life holy for Jesus. And all that sounds good. But it's not. Oh, you might go well for a few days. It might even go well for a few weeks. And if you're really, really, really dedicated, it might go well for a few months. And then everything starts to fall apart. Eventually, that sin nature rises up in you. That old man, that rebellious nature that never really left. And people get calloused again. They get that feeling of being absent from God. They get that feeling of, I don't want to be close to Him. And they they get that feeling of, I don't feel anymore. And I don't feel sin in my life anymore. And I don't feel God anymore. And they get that feeling that they're unsatisfied. Nothing in life satisfies me. My spouse doesn't satisfy me. My children don't satisfy me. God doesn't satisfy me. Nothing satisfies me. And that huge vacuum fills us up. And then they give up. I tried Christianity. It doesn't work. What happened? Well, consider this. We can't fix our lives. We are sinners. We won't lay aside the sin nature till this old body gets put in the ground and God gives me a brand new soul and a brand new sinless body. We have to deal with it till then. But only Jesus can do that. Give me a new body. Forgive my sins. The last three steps of salvation are all about Jesus. 
all about what he's done for us. Not things for us to do, but things that Jesus has done for us, the gospel, not the law. What do I have to do to be holy, but the gospel, what has Jesus done for me that I can live for him in his kingdom? Consider the second step of salvation, put off your old self. Is that something you do? You put off your old self, do you do that? Remember, you come into the world addicted to sin. You come into the world loving sin, doing sin, pleased with sin. You have that gaping hole in your soul that wants to be fed and wants to be filled up with something. Uh, It's a godless vacuum that you fill with everything except filling it up with, with Jesus. Well, baptism comes, grabs that empty void, and fills it up with his holy water. Destroys all sin in you. Takes that sin nature, that old sin nature that plagues you, and nails it to the cross, where Jesus then suffers and dies, and your old nature squeals, and then it dies, the death of Christ. And in baptism, your old sin nature is buried that you might rise again as Christ was dead. You you died to your sins that you might rise to a newness of life. Is that something you do? Or something Christ has done for you? Next, Paul tells us to be renewed in the attitude of your mind. Again, to be renewed in my mind, to to think differently about who I am. Is this something you do or something Christ has done for you? Is it a law to do, or is it the gospel, a gift? Again, the word renew in Greek. Here it's in the passive voice. You renew your mind. You let Christ renew your mind. And He does it. You don't do it. Be renewed in the attitude of your mind. It's not something that we do. It's something that's done for us. I have been renewed by the blood of Christ. I have been renewed by the holiness of Jesus. Jesus has filled the void of sin. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come, 2 Corinthians says. Christ has renewed the spirit of your mind. He doesn't count your sins against you. And the Bible says, before you, before you were a Christian, you used to hide from God, the way Adam and Eve hid from God when they fell into sin and rebellion. And in sin, they, they, they run from God. You used to cut yourself off from the only thing in life that could satisfy you, the life that we have in Christ Jesus. But now your mind has been renewed. Now you look at things differently. Jesus has given you a forgiven heart, a forgiven soul. Your life is no longer futile. You no longer don't know who you are. You don't know what, you you, you know who your Savior is. You know where you're going. You understand your sin nature. You're not in denial anymore. You no longer walk in the darkness of your thinking. Because God has renewed your mind. The Holy Spirit has opened, up, opened you up to the truth. 
to the truth of Jesus Christ. And you've been reborn in Christ. And so we put on the new self. We put on Jesus. We put on His righteousness and put on His holiness. And you won't find any sins in Jesus. You won't find any holes in Jesus. You won't find any addictions in Jesus. No doubts. That's why King David wrote, Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.